Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rocking Realities. Today's guest is John Fiddler of the band Medicine Head. It was so much fun talking to John. John, if you're seeing this, thank you so much again. Check out his newest single, Warriors of Love. It's such a great song. Before we start the interview, I would like to ask you to check out our new merchandise, which is available at Schwammer Handler. I'll have the links in the description, show, so that will go directly to the store. Um, also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and get in touch with us. I love getting messages from everyone. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel so you won't miss any new interviews. But for now, enjoy the show. What's happening, kids? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for taking the time to talking to us. No, I looked at uh, a few of the things you've done and I just thought, great, you know, really good, positive vibe from you guys, you know, really there. Thank you. you know. <laughs> yeah. So who wouldn't want to be involved? Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's great to hear. It's, it's great to hear that kind of feedback. And yeah, yeah. Well, we love this music, so we're glad to spread our love with this music and the happiness with the world if somebody wants to watch it yeah I and mean, that's it you know so positive just remain that way and that's all i try to do is just spread positivity you know <laughs> peace love and positivity etc you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's great i noticed that when when i read your emails that was really great i love that getting that kind of emails that's so cool yeah like you say we all need that you know we do need, it's not that we feed off it too much but it's nice to be recognized and it's nice to be um you know have some confirming information sent back to you you know hey that's good i like it yeah <laughs> yeah um, so you're gonna ask me some questions then now I'll see if <laughs> i can answer them <laughs> sure Maybe. so well, I thought but let's. Can I ask you a question? Where are yeah. you guys? We're in Germany. Where are you? Oh, right. Okay. Been there a few bazillion times. It's wonderful. Yeah. Whereabouts are you? Where are you in Germany? Which city? Uh, Bavaria. Oh, right. Okay. I remember the first time I went down to Bavaria back, way back. It was either late 60s or early 70s. And I used to get a lot of. Uh, <laughs> you know people doing this signing you know to cut your hair yeah. you know <laughs> it's like huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah great stuff i think our dad probably had the, the same thing going on when he was a teenager yeah. when he yeah. first started growing his hair <laughs> right. like vince's yeah. vince's hair is, is like <laughs> twice as long as mine <laughs> right cool <laughs> and it's all wrapped up in little buns there, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, headphones. <laughs> okay, so I thought we could start at the beginning. So um, how did you get into music and what made you want to become a musician? Um, first of all, I, I never say I'm a musician, right? I always say I'm a magician. Okay. I make people think I'm a musician, but um, that's, that's how I feel, you know, because I don't feel like um, I didn't try to become a virtuoso or, you know, learn a whole lot of stuff about guitars, keyboards, whatever. 
I kind of self-taught, but I wanted to write, I was writing songs when I was very young, you know, but I just didn't have a guitar, you know, or anything like that. Um, so I think the, the first, the first thing that really got me into music was um, when I was a young boy, uh, my two older sisters were listening to a radio station called Radio Luxembourg. And on this station, there came this sound. It was a lot of rock and roll at that time, a lot of early, early rock and roll, you know, Chuck Berry and, you know, some great stuff. And occasionally at this time I found, they played this song, which I'm sure in, in ex, from experience was a, a Muddy Waters track, you know, something like it was electric Chicago blues, you know, like do, 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 do. And it's like, what? And I was this little boy listening to this harmonica playing and it was just outstanding and then threw me sideways. And I had to wait a lot of years to, to hear anything like that again, because it just didn't come onto British radio. It just wasn't around. So when I got into secondary school, I think it was, um, uh, I started meeting other people who, other kids who, who had heard blues music, and it, which was like, you know, rarity, really. Um, but we kind of all got together, you know, we all sort of hung out together. And uh, uh, another friend of mine eventually um, I found out that his father was actually American from Chicago. And he had like a major collection of of, uh, of Chicago blues records because they would go on vacation to Chicago each year, and and he he would bring back all these albums, you know, Lightning Hopkins, who's not necessarily electric blues, but you know, just lots and lots of good stuff. Um, so that's really what got me into music and uh, wanting to be involved. You know, um, and then, I, you know, after school, I went on to art school, which is in the UK. It's almost like to join the rock and roll ranks, you almost have to have gone to art school. You know, there's so many others who've been to art school and then went into music, you know, rock and roll. So uh, I did, you know, I went to compulsory art school <laughs> for rock and roll. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then started up thinking, what the hell am I going to do? I don't care. I like music. I'll try something like that. And uh, you know, got kind of very lucky, really. You know, um, it's interesting when when you meet up, like at school, I met Peter Hope Evans, who was the other person in Medicine Head. And the first day I met him, I think it was, he had a harmonica sticking out the top of his blazer, his school school jacket pocket, you know. And it was like, wow, you know, he's got a harmonica. So the next day I, I had my harmonica in the, in the pocket, you know? And I can't remember whether we had the same keys or what, but anyway, we started playing harmonicas together and uh, that was a whole lot of fun. You know, it's just like so good. And uh, yeah, we started just playing and eventually, um, it, became something, you know, he became medicine head, which is really staggering, you know. <laughs> uh, and so uh, how did you come up with the band name, Medicine Head? Well, literally it was medicine for my head. You know, it, it really was medicine for my head. And it was a literal trans translation of how I felt, you know, I, I was in a, in 
a kind of transition period, you know, where, I mean, I'm like old enough to be your grandfathers, I'm sure. But, you know, the thing is that when you're young and you're, you're looking for something and you don't want to go this direction, you don't want to go that direction, you want to go in this direction here, which is really what your dream is or what your, your kind of emotional goal is. Um, and being somehow involved in creating, writing, singing, playing, you know, that was my kind of, that was my thing, you know, my dream. And all the other areas were a headache, you know, <laughs> they really were a headache. But, you know, we kind of got through that. And uh, originally, I think what the first name for Medicine Head was called The Mission we felt like we were on a mission you know it was the mission right and the next one was dr feelgood and the blue telephone right <laughs> i was i was dr feelgood and peter played the harmonica through the mic that was the blue telephone you know so that was <laughs> and but eventually um medicine head came along and and that was it yeah medicine for my head <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so who came up with the idea that you should play drums, guitar, harmonica, and sing all at the same time? Um, I think it was just a message sent, you know, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't know any musicians. And, um, uh, like I said, we, I'd always say I'm a magician, not a musician. We didn't know anybody. We just knew ourselves. And, uh, um, what happened was that I, I had started to learn and write songs on the piano. Um, we had a piano at home and I taught myself, you know, blues on the piano. And so I'd play the piano and sing, Peter would play the harmonica. And um, eventually when we started to kind of get out and try to go play in clubs, all the pianos were smashed to bits, you know, just not in tune or, they were all terrible, you know, was, so it became obvious that something had to be done. We had to get a guitar and whatever, you know. So um, that's what we did. We got a guitar and I had to, a few years before I'd been taught some chords on a left-handed guitar. So the guitar was upside down so that instead of fretting that way, I was fretting that way, you know, so the so that the top string was up here and the, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm -hmm. everything was upside down. The, that was the only way I learned to play uh, a few chords. Then the piano, and then we got a guitar and it was a right-handed guitar. So everything from the previous thing, I had to turn back upside down again. And then to transfer, transfer everything from piano to guitar uh, in order to be able to go out and play gigs. So we had a gig within like a couple of weeks of me getting a guitar for the first time. So when we, we kind of started playing this and I said, it really needs a bit of, we need to get some, some, you know, power in here. And I'd seen this bass drum in a junk shop and it was a big old orchestral bass drum, um, 32 inches, which is most drums are around bass drums are about 22, 24, this was 32 inches, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And it was old and it was falling apart. It was rotting, you know, and who cared? We got it. And I started 
thumping this bass drum, playing guitar and, and singing. So when we got to the first gig, um, I didn't have the hi-hat symbol at that point because they were expensive. We couldn't afford it. You know, it's just, it was just this junk shop bass drum cost about, you know, nothing in half a euro or something, you know, um, and started playing that. So when we got to playing the gigs, when you start playing guitar, first of all, you get all these blisters on your hands, on your fingers, that form the calluses, etc. I hadn't got any calluses. I'd got blood. That's all. <laughs> That's all I got. I got blisters and blood. So we played this gig. Which what we used to do is just either go straight into a place, set a little bit of equipment up, and and say, "Can we play?" You know, we'd be there before anybody else. Um, or we'd just gate crash or pretend we were somebody else. So we'd pretend we were a band that, that were booked into a place. And, you know, we'd, we'd go and tell the guys, you know, the door guys, we are the main band. Then, of course, the main band would arrive and they'd realize we weren't them. So, you know, most places said, yeah, play. You know, it's great. I mean, it was a lovely, lovely time, actually. So anyway... We played this first gig and I just had blood everywhere. I was like covered in blood and just, you know, it was painful <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. But anyway, it was a great gig. Uh, had a lot of power in it. The bass drum really worked. Peter Halpems plays harmonica like nobody else. He's a, he's a powerhouse on his own. So it was a great, great gig. And um, that's when I decided that somehow we've got to get something else you know to to uh, complement the bass drum and eventually we did get a, a hi-hat cymbal and uh, and that was that you know and people thought there was a band on stage when they were standing outside they thought it was a full band but it was just the two of us you know yeah i remember the blood you know a lot of people thought <laughs> yeah. in those days we were like pre-punk blood everywhere you know? <laughs> yeah I remember uh, our dad, when we were children, he always showed us this uh, TV show that used to be um, on TV when he was a teenager back in the 70s, which was called Disco. And in one episode, he had uh, the video of one and one is one. <laughs> and then I remember that as a little child, the first time I saw it, I turned around to my dad and asked him, like, when is one of them playing everything? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was it. We didn't know anybody, you know. And there, there are... Um, There were people like Jesse Fuller, who was a, an American black guy who played that. It was like a one-man band and, and uh, played harmonica, which I did as well. So we had two harmonicas, bass drum, hi-hat, guitar, vocals. You know, it, it was just a great combination. Um, but there were precedents, you know, and, and there was also another really, really superb British guy named Duster Bennett, who was... Um, A one-man band and he was fantastic you know I bet your dad remembers him actually I'll have to ask him after the interview I suppose he does he did a lot of a lot of work also with Peter Green you know Peter yeah. Green's Fleetwood Mac mm -hmm. you know before Fleetwood Mac was just Fleetwood Mac it was Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac and Duster used to do a lot of work with them you know great player um so uh are you uh do you still have contact to peter Hope evans um occasionally yeah we just put out believe it or not our um a kind of uh, a special 
album, the 50th anniversary, believe it or not, like five zero um, anniversary of, of our very first album. So that was the first time I'd seen him in a while. And the first time that I'd had a photograph taken with him for like almost 40 years, you know, because Pete left Medicine Head in, in 76, I think it was 1976. So, you know, after that, I carried on doing all kinds of things, including Medicine Head. Um, and we, we drifted apart. We didn't sort of see each other. Um, but that's the most recent uh, time was to see him. And it was great, you know, really good. We had our pictures taken together and we did a, a signing session for, for this CD and album, you know. So it was great. Catch up a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, did you get the chance to play a few songs with him or play music with no. him when you met him? The, no, we didn't actually. No, this was at the record company's offices, and okay. they didn't. They just got computers and screens and no guitars, and you know. <laughs> so it was just just simply a signing session and a, and a few photographs, and it was nice. It was really good, and he's a great player. You know, you should check him out. He's in a, in a band now called Blues Club um, with a great guitar player named Robbie McIntosh. And Robbie's been in all kinds of things. Like um, he was in the Pretenders for a while, you know, the Chrissy Hines band, the Pretenders. You may know, you may know Paul McCartney. You may know him. Robbie played for Paul McCartney, John Mayer. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, great player, blues club, check it out. There's a couple of guys from Dire Straits in there as well playing. Yeah, yeah we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, so um, I've heard before that, and I want to ask you if that was true, is it true that the first time you were signed to a record label, it was because uh, John Lennon liked you so much? Yeah, absolutely true. You know, it, it was really... <laughs> surreal you know the the true meaning of the word surreal because we were just a couple of kids from the midlands of england and we we uh you know we arrived at a club we we knew that this guy named john peel who was a british dj was playing there that night he was introducing the main band uh who i think were jethro tull if you remember those at all And so we arrived and we did our usual, you know, hi, we're Jethro Tull. We went in, set out our little bit of equipment, you know, and then eventually, of course, Jethro Tull arrived and they said, what, you know, what are you doing? The, the management of the club, what are you guys up to? And I said, well, uh, let us play because we have to get to John Peel because he was a DJ that was playing alternative music, you know, not mainstream music. He was giving... Uh, he was playing a lot of alternative stuff and he spent a lot of time in the USA. So he had a lot of West Coast stuff and things breaking out in the late 60s. Um, so he wasn't playing, you know, everyday pop music. He was playing something out, rock music, you know, that, was, that became what we know now. Um, anyway, he was a very influential disc jockey. And I thought, you know, if we can get to see him, He might, you know, he might like us. You know, you never know until you until you go, right? So uh, we did that. We broke in, blah da da, and they said, "Okay, you can. You've got 10 minutes. 
right? And I said, fine, that's, that's great. And I think John actually only heard five minutes. He, he wasn't there for the whole, <laughs> the extravagant 10 minutes, you know, he was just there for a few <laughs> minutes. But um, afterwards he came to us and he said, look, send me a tape, right? And so we, uh, we'd never recorded anything before. So we, we borrowed a, a tape recorder, which we put up in the middle of the kitchen on a table somewhere. And we just played, you know, within, it's not like recording professionally or anything like that. So it's very lo-fi, but it has a great feeling on this, this, these tracks that we did. It's just like really emotional, you know, and John Peel, he's, he, uh, played it to John and Yoko and Pete Townsend and Eric Clapton uh, and a few other people. And John, John said, John Lennon said, you have to sign these guys up and you've got to do it now. And you've got to put this out just as it is. Right. So, yeah, I mean, thank you, John Lennon and forever. <laughs> thank you, John Peel. You know, they, they were, they did so much for us, you know, and just, incredible <laughs> i mean how lucky can you be you know what i mean yeah it's wonderful yeah. yeah and it's pretty cool when when you hear that john lennon likes your music yeah well and also he liked the our raw approach to anything really it was just very raw there was nothing sophisticated about it you know it was very it was straight from here you know straight from the heart very lo-fi, but very powerful. And that's what John Lennon picked up on. And, uh, and so did um, John Peel, you know, and he gave us the break and he signed us to his brand new record label. And yeah, we were lucky, man. we were lucky, you know. You gotta get out there and, and try and try and try, but you do need some luck as well, you know, but never give up, you know, this is it. Um, so, my before we start the interview, my dad actually asked me to ask you something as well, which is um, the song "Be My Flyer," which was the B side of "Rising Sun." He wanted to know why that song isn't on any other albums or any compilation albums, and not even on like Spotify or anything. Why he can't find that song anywhere except for on here? <laughs> that's by the way, right. that's his self my cover <laughs> for the song. <laughs> well, back in the day, we didn't like to put all you know all tracks on we didn't want people to be buying things twice you know so if you bought uh, a single we would make it just a single you know this changed as we went on to different commercial more commercial uh labels but in the early days we didn't we wanted people to to, to if they wanted to buy something they didn't have to buy it again on an album you know so being my flyer was probably part of that thinking process, you know. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, if I can dig it out, I'll stick it on something YouTube or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, you should re-release it. <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty cool. <laughs> I know. It's. I mean, you know, considering it's the fiftieth anniversary of the first album, you know, it's like hard to remember some of those tracks, you know, really. <laughs> but I do remember that, that song. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was the first thing my dad said. He said, ask him about the secret of that song. Like, why is there a secret? <laughs> yeah, I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try to remedy that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I also know you have a new single out, which is Warriors of Love. Yeah. Um, so what was the, the inspiration for that song? Well, as I was saying earlier, you know, I'm kind of an old hippie, I suppose, you know, I believe in peace and, and love, you know, and I believe in all those, uh, those ideas, you know, where we, we help to promote each other, you know, we, we give each other support, you know, and uh, we've just been going through the whole world has been going through a really tough time. It wasn't inspired by the pandemic, but it was inspired more by the, the kind of the idea that no matter how sophisticated humanity seems to make itself want to appear, we still don't have equality. You know, we don't, we don't have um, a real appreciation of each other, you know? And, you know, I believe in equality and empathy. I believe in these things deeply. And, you know, the whole thing about warriors of love is it's, it's powerful, you know, love is a very powerful thing. It's, it's power, power, you know, and that's why I thought of Warriors. Um, I think there are a few other songs with the same title and I'm not surprised because it's, you know, it's a pretty cool title, Warriors of Love. And to me, it's like a call to arms, you know, like, you know, you have a call to arms in an, an aggressive way. Mine's an, a, a call to arms, a call to the arms of love, you know. It's that. And, uh, you know, it, it says, you know, I believe in freedom and I believe in truth and I believe in the power of love and I believe in you. You know, so I'm, so I'm just putting across this whole idea that there you are. You know, it's like four words, four lines, I think. Very simple and, and hopefully direct and warriors of love. And that's basically just says that, you know. Um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh i mean i really like that track you know it's 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 uh, it's going good it's going good on spotify you know and going good on the platforms so that's a i mean that's wonderful after all these years you know to have something out there like that and uh as well as everything else i, I started my own label so that was the first release on the label um so you know we've all been living in our houses we've been in isolation and we've been in our apartments or wherever and so this label's called living room records so the living room to me is wherever you are in the world you know you could be on top of everest could be your living room or you could be in bavaria in the forests you know and that's <laughs> your living room you know what i mean so living room records wherever you are um but there is a slight reference to where we're at at the moment, you know, and this is my living room, which I'm, you can probably see I'm just packing it up because I'm move, moving uh, the end of next week. So I'm packing it up with boxes everywhere. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll all be able to break out of our living rooms and out of the isolation that's been uh, thrust upon us. You know, we just got to be good, be safe and be safe to other people. You know, stay healthy, 
help other people to do the same thing. All the usual stuff, you know. Are <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. there uh, already any other releases on your new record label? Yeah, on this Friday, uh, is that the 12th? Um, I think it is. There's a, a song called Painkiller by Belinda Campbell. Um, so that will hit the everywhere on Friday. They'll be on all the platforms, you know, from Spotify to iTunes and all the rest, Apple Music, etc. Um, and her uh, song also um, from the website, from the Medicine Head, there's a website, medicinehead.rocks, R-O-C-K-S, <laughs> not .com, not .uk or whatever. It's dot rocks. So if people go to medicinehead.rocks, they can, uh, we have a, a, a limited edition of Warriors of Love as, as a physical CD. And there's a physical um, limited edition of Belinda's uh, Painkiller, all signed and numbered and nice, you know, a nice sort of um, thing to have, hopefully, you know. Um, so yeah, Friday's the second one. Then I've got a, another Medicine Head release coming up uh, in either late March or, uh, sorry, no, late, it'll be April, definitely April, because it's almost, what is it now, the 10th of March? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be either late March or April. Um, and then May, there's a Medicine Head album. Gonna hit the streets. <laughs> Oh, and also I've got a, a, another girl named Kathleen Pearson, um, who's, uh, her single's due in April too. You know, so a few things going on. You know. Yeah. Um, so do you yourself choose the musicians that are recording on your label or do you have someone like an or person who's doing this for you? No, this is very homegrown. You know, it's very homegrown, very organic, very, very much around here you know so it's all it's just things that I like you know um, and, a, and mainly a kind of medicine head label in a way you know for me to put out my my stuff um, and other people like Belinda and Kathleen and there will be more you know there's more stuff coming out You know, with the pandemic, I'll just break this. I'll break the silence. With the <laughs> pandemic, it's it's been difficult for us all to work together because we couldn't see each other. You know, we haven't been able to. You've seen so many people doing, you know, online gigs and all that sort of stuff. I've done a, a lot of uh, little messages myself. You know, with guitars and singing to people just to say, hey, you know, we'll get through this. You know. Um, but we haven't been able to be in the same room to, to play. So that's gonna be great to be able to do that again. So in the meantime, you know, we're sending wave files to each other, you know, um, just send some stuff out to a friend of mine in Tokyo. <clears throat> I'm in London, he's in Tokyo. Um, there's another friend in, in the USA who's working on some stuff with me. You know, it's, it's great to be able to do that in the pandemic, but it's not the same as being in the same room. Um, so do you have any plans to play live shows or is it uh, everything canceled right now? Um, 
Well, all the stuff that was put in, it has been postponed or, you know, canceled. But um, I just heard a few days ago that the first, first shows are in, that look good are um, in September. The first week, I think it's the first week in September. It's a festival over in Ireland. So, you know, if that's, it still seems like it's on, we'll see. You know, it's always, it's, you just have to wait and see, you know, it's, unfortunately, but that's where we're at right now. And then some of the, the other shows that have had to be postponed after the, over the, the last year or so, um, more than a year probably, uh, will be reinstated, you know, because people bought tickets and, you know, they've, they've either been refunded or they've kept the ticket with whatever they wanted, you know. So, yeah, life, uh, I'll have to kind of get fit <laughs> and unfat. <laughs> and uh, and get out there, you know. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah. Um, so another thing that I'd really like to know is, so you've already accomplished a lot, and you said you were you thought you were on a mission when you first started. So, do you think your mission is already accomplished, or are there any goals, anything that you'd still like to achieve? Well. I understand what you're saying, but, you know, I never thought of goals. I don't think of careers. I don't think of anything like that personally. I just think of where we are, what we're doing. Um, you know, it's like a moment, the Zen moment-ish in a way, you know, so I'm always, always on to something else, you know, so um, I just look at it like, you know, let's do another song, you know, and that's, I keep writing songs and that's really where it's at. And, I suppose the mission would be to never stop. You know, it'll, I'll have to be stopped by something. Hopefully not yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's it. it. It's like, it's, it's really a lifestyle. You know, it's my life. It's not, um, I never thought of it as a career. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do ever. And I, you know, when I, I lost my hearing, um, as a lot of, us musicians do because we play everything so loud you know so over the years you ears take a beating and uh i lost my hearing and had to have my ears rebuilt so it shows you that you know loud music will damage your ears kids <laughs> <laughs> the problem is there's nothing like it you know um and i still play loud music uh so i'll have them rebuilt again if necessary but what i did during that period of time was i I did a, a lot of visual art. You know, I, I went back to the compulsory art school for rock and rollers, you know, I, I started producing artwork again. So whatever it may be, you know, that's my, that's what I do. I kind of try to continue to be creative, you know, in any way that I can. The, the visual has taken a, a back, back seat again now I'm back playing and, and singing and, and all that. Um, but it's always there, you know, and, and I write poems, you know, so it's poetry was how it started, actually. Um, have you ever thought about publishing your poetry, like um, releasing a poetry book or something? It's, well, a lot of people have asked me about a, a book, you know, um, and I have started to write a, um, a kind of biographical, semi-biographical, a kind of a, a stream of consciousness 
book called The Medicine Man. He's got the potion. Right. So <laughs> uh, that's it. And, uh, you know, there'll be there are in that there are poems, you know, it's I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to kind of separate very much the the poetry from the writing that I do anyway in songs, um, you know, because they're, it's all it all comes together. I think it's all sort of one thing. Uh, but if someone else wanted to curate it, I don't have time to do all this stuff. You know, I'm too busy writing the next thing. Uh, I'd rather be doing that than looking at a bunch of work that I've already done and say, oh, I'll put that together with that, that, that. You know, so it's really, it, that would be a labor of love for someone else, I think, rather than me at this point anyway. You know, times are moving on and I got a lot to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, do you have any advice for for young people who want to become musicians or want who want to get into this business? Yeah, I, I, I think from my advice would be almost like forget about business, forget about careers, search inside yourself and see whether you have the strength to to go through what you need to do. Forget about limos, you know, all that sort of stuff. Think about your creativity and how you can develop that. And uh, that's how you, that's, for me, that's the start. I mean, I know there's so many different things, especially these days with social media, you know, people become social media stars because they wear, you know, no socks or you know something stupid <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? There, there's such a, a crazy amount of, stuff out there but you know you can develop that we like i said we i wasn't thinking i was going to be a musician peter wasn't either we just thought we were magicians you know people liked us no matter what we did you know we, we, i had fan clubs at school for just being me i don't know why do you know what i mean it's just something that's always been present in in my life has been a communication with people on all kinds of different levels and it did find its way into music. Um, and I think that the thing is to be honest with yourself and to try to find that path, you know, that inner path, um, that be honest with yourself about your ability and work damn hard to get better, you know, and work really hard to communicate with people before you even commit to recording something, you know, just expand your communication skills, you know, find the truth about yourself rather than the illusion of, a, of like a, a facade, you know. I, I suppose what I do is not, I'm not really in a pop music thing, I, obviously not now, but um, even back in the day when we were having hits, it was like an accident almost, you know, it was a very nice accident, but it was an accident, you know, and, um, it was a part of our journey, you know. Peter Hope Evans is still playing harmonica. I think that's fantastic, you know, after all these years, uh, plays beautifully, you know. Um, I'm still writing songs because that's what I do. So find out what you do and then work on it and don't, don't let the doors close, you know. Like I said, we broke into everywhere and said, can we play, you know. We broke into everywhere, got there before anybody else because that we wanted to do that, you know, and there was nobody going to say, stop us from doing that. 
you know, it just wasn't going to happen. We, we didn't wait for agencies or managers or anything like that. We did it ourselves. You know, it's like a do-it-yourself deal. You know? Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it yeah. does. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for your advice. Yeah, well, it, it's and then it becomes your own advice, you know, because if you listen to yourself, you're, you will be your advisor. You know? But whatever you do, just get out there and give it a bash, you know, just really try. You know? Well, um, thank you so much for for taking the time today and for talking to us. This was really great. I loved hearing your stories and talking to you is really so much fun. And it's so interesting what you have to say. Yes, thank oh, you. Well, yeah, you're very, very welcome, both of you. And it's been my pleasure, honestly. And uh, again, I got to say, I love your enthusiasm and positive. It's just fantastic. Thank you.